Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad that you chose to hang out with us today. Um, just by a show of hands, and I want everyone on the stream to participate as well, because it's so much more fun when you do. Uh, just by a show of hands, how many of you know a strong-willed child? Just raise your hand. Okay, almost every single hand in the auditorium was raised. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now, don't raise your hands yet, but uh, how many of you actually are parents who had to raise a strong-willed child? Now, if that child is here, don't raise your hand. But if they're not, raise your hand, okay? Because if they were here, they might take you out, all right? Uh, because they're strong-willed. Well, my mom loved to tell the story about uh, one of her friends uh, who she and her husband had two children who were very, very calm and uh, they were very, very chill kind of kids. And so they're like, hey, they got a little arrogant. They're like, we're doing this kid thing really well. And so we're just going to go and have a third child. And so they had this third child and this third child came out of the delivery room and had a face that looked like this. It's my way or the highway for the next 20 years. <laughs> and that kid created havoc in their family for that entire time. He was uncontrollable. They couldn't do anything to him. His will was so strong. He said, you're going to do it my way or it doesn't matter. And they actually caved into him. And I remember my mom talking uh, to his mom uh, one day, and she said, you know, if he would have been our first child, he would have been our only child. Because that's the way that they felt. You see, he was very strong-willed, and he misbehaved all the time. Now, in stark contrast to a misbehaving, strong-willed child, uh, the reality is this, funny uh, folks, is that money has no will. This is your first fill-in. For those of you that are on the stream, you can do it on your app. But money has no will. If I take some money... And I give it to God, to the things of God in the local church. Guess what happens to the money? It stays. And if I take some money and I put it in the bank, guess what it does? It stays. And if I take some money, like I swipe my credit card because I think I have money, and I go and I buy a brand new big screen TV for the Super Bowl, when that happens, guess where the money stays? Not with you, it's in the store. And then you make those payments over and over and over again. Folks, money has no will. It does not have a desire to control anything. It does not have a desire to actually say, no, 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 no. Uh, this is what my will is. Money has no desire to misbehave. It has no will on its own. It doesn't run away and do some spending sprees that does that. This is the truth, folks. Money doesn't have legs. It doesn't have legs. It can't run anywhere. But you know who does have legs? And who can do anything with money? The manager of the money. Now, some of you at this point, especially if you're on the stream, you're like, ah, oh, great, it's on money. Well, that's obvious, Chris. You know, money can't run away. It's obvious that that doesn't happen. Well, why are we talking about this? If it's so obvious, why do we need to have a teaching today on it? 
Well, we're in the beginning of the new year and we want a fresh start in many different areas of our life. And one of those areas I want to challenge you with today is with your money. Now, this is what I know. If I had a red button that was up here and any of you could come up and push it and it would take all of your bad financial decisions that you ever made and it actually went into your bank or however much debt you're in right now, it like transferred and it went into revenue into your bank, I guarantee that you would push people down and you would run to the stage to push that red button. I mean, if it would cancel all of your debt and it would go into your bank account, you would run to do that. Some of you on the stream right now would get out of your pajamas and you would run here. You would come up and you would press that red button. And I bet there would be a very long line. You know, the hardest thing for me, honestly, over the past 19 years of being the pastor of this church... It's to watch people who love God and they come to Christ and they realize that there's freedom and they have freedom to be who God's called them to be. And they're free from their sin and their guilt and their shame from their past only to watch these same Christ followers become tied down in financial bondage. To actually become chained in such a way that it affects their lives in great ways. And they lock themselves into a prison called debt. And they start drowning in it. And they walk through life, even though they know they're forgiven of everything. They walk through life with great anxiety and great fear. And they're ashamed and they're enslaved. There was a couple who uh, started coming to the jar several years ago, and they came for several years and were just amazing people, very, very kind people. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of drifted off. They fell off the radar. And I reached out to them, tried to talk to them, and eventually just kind of got ghosted from them. And then uh, one Sunday, I was teaching, and they were right here in the auditorium. And I looked down and afterwards I went up to him. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that you're here. We're, we're so glad that you are. And then they began to tell me what the past few years of their life had been like. They had filed for bankruptcy for the second time. They were in debt big time and they were spending and spending and spending and they couldn't get out of the way. And later that week, the wife sent me a text that I've kept to this day And this is what she said. Our fridge just went out. Uh, Our heat just got turned off. We wrecked our car and we have 15 months until we go into foreclosure. These people combined together made six figures, folks. Lots of money that was there for them to be able to use wisely. But they didn't. And then the conversation continued on where, I'll never forget this, she texted me back and said, well, we have all of these bills and all of this debt, and I just can't figure it out. What do you mean you can't figure it out? I just can't figure it out. You see, folks, that attitude is like the attitude of a strong-willed child. It's like she was saying that my money actually grew legs and it ran away from me. And it started spending this stuff all over the place. 
and the money misbehaved. And it's somebody else's fault for this. Now listen to me. There are two realities when it comes to money. The first one we'd already talked about. Money has no will. And the second thing is this. Money never misbehaves. Money never misbehaves. Money never kind of goes rogue and does its own thing. Money simply does what it's told to do. You know, unfortunately, sometimes people have to hit rock bottom financially. For this couple, unfortunately, they had to file bankruptcy a third time within the process before they finally could admit to themselves the money never misbehaves. It's the manager of the money that needs a fresh start. So, this morning, I got some good news and I got some bad news for you. Here's the bad news. The bad news is, I can't arrange your past misbehaved money to return back to you. If I could, I would. If I had a red button, I'd let you push it because I see the pain that it causes so many people. That's the bad news. I can't arrange it to go back in your bank accounts. But the good news is, is that beginning today, with God's wisdom, with his power, with his knowledge in your life, you can learn to do your money God's way. You can learn to make your money behave the way that it's supposed to. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is I want to show you God's plan for how money should behave. Several years ago, uh, we were looking to go on a family vacation. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he said, Hey, you know what? Las Vegas is really kid-friendly now. You should go. And so I trusted my friend, and we went ahead. My daughters were five and seven. We go to uh, Las Vegas, and you know what I learned about my friend? He lied. He was a liar, big fat liar. We got there, there was nothing for kids. We spent all of our time going to national parks during the day walking with a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and two old parents, and then we would come back and crash at the condo. That was it. That was our vacation. Well, one day, though, we did find something that was kid-friendly. It was called the Blue Man Group. And we thought, the kids will love this, we'll go to the Blue Man Group, and this will be awesome. Now, it was at the Luxor uh, Casino and Hotel. And you had to walk through the casino before you got to the theater. And when you walked through the casino, what I noticed were were there were these tables that had this green felt on them. And what I started to notice is the people that were sitting around those were not behaving with the money that they had. They actually were very much misbehaving with money on the table. So I want to kind of use that green felt image to show you God's plan on how money should behave and not misbehave. The first thing that I want us to look at is that very uh, middle box. And I want you to put the word in earnings, earnings. Everything always starts, first of all, With earnings. Now, earnings can look like this. I was actually going to use real money, but my concern was you would storm the stage to try to take it. Okay? So I didn't do that. I've got this play money here. Now, every discussion regarding money begins with how much we earn. 
James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from God. Folks, any time that you take some earnings and they come your way, whether it's a meager earning or maybe it's middle size earning, or maybe you have like massive earnings, may I suggest that the very first thing that you do when you get any earning is you turn to God and you say, God, thank you for the fact that you give me this earnings. So once you do that, you become uh, a practical person who thanks God in a practical way every single time for the earnings that he gives you. The rest of the process, honestly, is just money management of learning how to do your money God's way. Now, what is the first command that any serious Christ-minded follower is supposed to do once they receive earnings? We take some of it, not all of it, but we take some of it, and we give it to God. The very first time when we get a paycheck, the first thing we do is we give some to God, that top box there. And the Bible says that you would give a tenth or 10%. Now, if you can't start with a tenth, then you start somewhere. I've often encouraged people, Jennifer and I weren't able to do that immediately. We started at 5% and we increased by a percent each time until we got to the tenth. Now, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits. Just right off the top, at the very beginning, before you pay any other bill, you actually give to God because He's the one that is given to you. You honor Him. And this is what happens with that transaction. He says that if you honor Him with that, what does the Scripture say? Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will be filled to the brim with new wine. Now, Malachi chapter 3 says a very similar thing. It says this. It says, bring the full tithe to God. God will actually open up the windows of heaven and he will pour blessings into your life. Not always financial blessings, but blessings in your life. So every single time that you have a pay period, the first thing you do is you take uh, 10% and you give it, or you're working at it, and you give it to God, to the things of God. And you're giving to God and you're showing that my money is going to behave God's way. Because God knows, folks, this is the truth. God knows whether it's the first transaction or it's the last transaction. He knows whether it's the first helping or he just gets the leftovers. He knows whether you're just giving him a tip or you're actually giving him something that is of your best. He knows the heart of the matter. He knows where your heart is at. You know, this could be the year that you actually take hold and you make your money behave God's way. That you actually have a fresh start with the way that you do that. And he promises that if you do that, he will pour blessings from heaven into your life. 
And he says, well, that woman right there or that man right there or that household right there. You know what? They're doing it my way. They're behaving with their money. So I'm going to give blessings to them. By the way, uh, you have a card right here that can show you how to automatically do that. Uh, in your program. And for those of you that are on the stream or if you're on the app, there's a way that you can download the app and then you make it automatically do that each time that your pay pay period comes. You force it to behave the way that you want it to behave. And you can automatically just uh, press that give button and people do this all the time. And you can give it uh, weekly if you want or Twice a month or monthly, whatever you choose. And the more that you set it up automatically, the more you don't worry about it because you're honoring God with the beginning. Okay, once we have our earnings and once we've honored God, then we go clockwise to the next place that most uh, most of Scripture, all of Scripture actually, and most wise money managers would say, is you put some in an emergency fund. You actually put some in an emergency fund. Proverbs 6 says this, Watch the ants learn from their ways. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Now, quick question here. You're smart enough to answer this. How often does winter come in Indiana? Every year, right? Like regularly, every year, you can count on it annually, it's going to happen. Now, how regularly do surprises of emergencies hit a family? Regularly, right? Like financial emergencies happen regularly all the time. The house that we live in, uh, when we purchased it, it was built in 1980. And the people we purchased it from, they actually built the house. And when they built the house, I learned that the husband was a plumber. He did all the plumbing in the house. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is amazing. We're never going to have any plumbing issues because he was a plumber. Guess what? I was wrong. In year one, the pipes underneath in the crawl space had uh, messed up and there were leaks that were coming. We had to call a plumber to figure all of that out. A little bit later on, there was a leak in the roof. Water's coming down. My children had been playing uh, upstairs and then all of a sudden the water starts coming down. We still don't like those kids because of that, but they were playing in the tub and, and the water's coming down. They had not, you know kind of cocked everything correctly, even though he was a plumber. And then a little bit later on, what happened was the spigots on the outside, they actually busted and water was coming out of the house. And then to top it all off, we had to get all all, uh, new toilets in all of our bathrooms because all of it had such hard or old hardware that was in there, hardware. So you can tell I don't know how to do this. Um, That they had to replace all of this. And I don't know what kind of plumber he was, but he screwed us. You know, like like he did. He really, really did. Now, folks, am I the only person? Is our family the only family that has this kind of stuff happen to them? No. I mean, things break. 
Stuff conks out. Stuff wears out. The Bible says that if you match the brain power of an ant, man, that's kind of me sometimes. But if you match the brain power of the average ant and you set aside some funds regularly for winter surprises or emergencies, you won't be caught off guard. You know, close to 200 people uh, have actually taken over the years our financial peace class. It was developed by a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey who got into huge debt. He had to file bankruptcy himself. And we actually, on the back side of your card, there's a class that we're going to be offering in just a little over a month that for many of you, I'd encourage you to do. And one of the key components of his class is that he actually encourages people to have a $1,000 kind of fund that they go after in the first 30 to 60 days so that they can have something there if an emergency arises. He says, just go crazy. Stop spending wherever you can. Don't eat a meal or two. Don't get Starbucks coffee, but get nasty Folgers coffee. You know, whatever it is, do everything you can to set this up. And once you've done that, once you've set that goal, now you've made some progress and then you'll have some momentum. And when you have something in your emergency fund, when the water heater goes out or when there's a leak in the roof or something outside, you actually have some funding to be able to take care of it. And you don't worry about it and you don't get overwhelmed. And once you pay it, you refill your emergency fund. And you do this until you stock that emergency fund up to a point where you can take care of it. Now, after you've done this emergency fund, then you go after what many of us in this room and in our country struggle with, and that is debt. And you say, I despise debt. I'm going after debt. I'm actually going to go after it. I'm done with debt. I'm not going to do it anymore. Now, I learned about debt very early on in our early 20s. Jennifer and I got into some huge credit card debt. And when we did, uh, we learned that we had to get out of it in such a way that we had to despise debt. And it took us a few years, but by our late 20s, we were out of debt and we said anytime we would get a credit card, we would pay it off at the end of the month or we wouldn't have them at all. And we had to cut some of them up before we ever got new ones. And because of this, in my 30s, this is what I finally decided, that Debt is bad stuff. And then in my 40s, when I was leading the church, one of the things I noticed, there were so many people whose lives were being destroyed by debt. And I went from just saying it's something bad. I said, it's horrible. Whatever you do, just avoid it at all costs. And now that I'm in my 50s from my perspective, what I really understand is this. It's not just bad. It's not just horrible. But if you're in debt, this is what you have to do. You have to hate debt. You have to hate debt. You have to hate it so much that you hate it as much as you did the pandemic of 2020. That's one thing that all Americans can agree upon. We may not agree on anything else, but all of us hated the pandemic of 2020. 
And it's the same way with debt. You've got to say, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. I will choose not to get into it anymore. Because Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the borrower is a slave to the lender. That's what you become. Every time that you borrow, you become a slave to somebody else. Folks, when you're starting out with debt, what you have to do is you have to attack it. You have to attack it from, uh, you know, the smallest debt to your largest debt. And what you do is you get some little debt that isn't very much and you just say, I'm going to take it out. Maybe your smallest debt that you have and you go, I'm going to rip it up. I'm going to get rid of it. And then all of a sudden I'm going to celebrate and be like, "Woo! I got that done. And then what you do is you go to the next debt, not a huge debt, just whatever the next debt is, and you go after that, and you knock it off, and you say, never again. And then you go to the next biggest debt, whatever that is, and you say, I'll never charge anything on a credit card that I cannot, you know, pay by the end of the month. And you say, never, never, never again. And pretty soon there comes the day where you're not in a huge debt outside of a reasonable mortgage. And you say, you know what? I'm honoring God. I'm actually giving the full 10%. I have an emergency fund now. Now I'm out of debt. And then this is the next thing that you do. You start a savings or investing. One of the greatest gifts that my mom gave to me was that at the age of five or six, I couldn't remember, she said, Chris, today we're going on a field trip. I'm like, great, I love field trips. And she took me to a bank. We went to the bank, and I got this little blue book with my name on it. And as a little boy, I walked in, and my mom put in $5, and she said, now you're going to start saving. And what she taught me in that is that it's better to save than to spend. That saving is really the better way to go. And I'm so grateful for that discipline that she gave to me because it changed the course of my life. In my 20s, I didn't listen to her. I wanted to do my own thing. I was that strong-willed child. But then all of a sudden, mama was right. And I had to work through that. And I had to learn that actually saving is important. Okay, last thing on the graphic and when it comes to God's plan on how your money should behave, and that is living expenses. Wise money managers would tell you that you figure out all the other aspects first before you decide how much you're going to live on. But if you start with your living expenses first, and then you go the other way and you say, well, this is what I want to live on, You are destined for destruction. I mean, if you say, you know what? This is the size of house that I want. This is the kind of car that I want. These are the kind of furniture that I want. These are the clothes that I want. This is the kind of restaurants I want to go to. This is the vacations that I want to take. Folks, hear me out on this. If you start with living expenses first... If that's what you do and you go counterclockwise from your living experiences, I can predict, and I'm not a prophet, but I'm telling you right now, with prophetic accuracy, I can predict this, that if you start with living expenses first, you will have little to no savings. 
you will actually probably get into some huge debt. You'll never have an emergency fund when something conks out or wears out. And if you really want to get right down to it, no matter how much you tell other people that you call yourself a Christian and you follow God, the truth is you'll probably never honor God with the full tithe if you begin with living expenses. Folks, you can't run the table counterclockwise. You can't do it. It's a recipe for financial disaster. You start with your earnings and you move to God first, and then you go the clockwise ways until finally you go, and this is what I'll live on then. And then you'll live at that level. And when God sees that, he's like, oh my gosh, they're doing it my way. They're making the money behave my way because you're doing all of these things. And he blesses your life in ways that you could not see. So what are you going to choose today? For those of you on the stream, what are you going to choose today? Are you going to take your earnings and go clockwise to your living expenses? Or are you going to choose instead to go counterclockwise and immediately go to how much I'm going to live on? Are you going to make your money behave God's way? Or are you going to keep doing money your own way? So where do you need a fresh start this year when it comes to your money? Maybe for some of you, you need to honor God first. You haven't been doing that. Maybe for others, you've done that, but you're like, you know what? I don't have an emergency fund. If something broke, I couldn't be able to do that. Maybe for others of you, you're in debt. And you're like, now I've got the emergency fund, but I want to work on that. Or maybe for others of you, you've done all of that. And now it's like, let me kind of save for my future that there be investment fund there. And folks, I'm telling you, if you learn to make your money behave God's way, he will bless you. And for some of you, you should humble yourself and take the financial peace class that's coming up in just a month. Save the money back. We have scholarships for it. Whatever it is that you get money behaving God's way. And you begin to look forward to the financial freedom that God wants you to live in. And it would be the wisest decision, the wisest decision you would ever make in 2024. It would be a fresh start for you. When my two daughters uh, were young, uh, when they first started school, whenever they would come home, they had a folder. And this folder would have all of their papers in it. And it was all the things that they had done well that they wanted to show to me. And I remember when Jordan was in kindergarten, the very first day, she ran. She's like, Dad, I've got a folder. And look inside. And when I looked inside, there was a math assignment, I think, and a writing assignment. It said, super, great job. And she's like, Dad, are you proud of me? I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And I'd brag on her. Well, two days or two years later, her sister Shiloh came. And when she saw that Jordan did this the first day, on day number two, she elbowed her sister out of the way with her folder. And she came up and she said, Dad, Dad, look, look at this. Look what I did. And she showed me the papers and the things that she had done well. And kids want to be able to let their parents know often what they're doing and how they're doing. Now, here's the point. That if kids love to show their parents what they're capable of doing, 
Think how much more your heavenly Father waits for you and to show Him what you're doing. You see, one day, this is the truth. Every single one of us will stand before our heavenly Father. And Jesus actually called Him Daddy. The word is Abba. We'll stand before our daddy, just like Jordan and Shiloh stood before me and said, Daddy, look at this. Daddy, look at this. And you'll stand before God. And one of the greatest nightmares that I would have for anyone in this auditorium or anyone on the stream is that when you stood before him, you'd say, Oh, Daddy, Daddy, don't look there. Don't look there. Don't look at the way I used my earnings. You blessed me, but what I did was I said I was going to focus on my living expenses first and I lived beyond my means or I got in huge debt or I struggled in great ways. And I didn't save any money of any kind. In fact, I don't have anything to leave for my kids or my grandkids. The only thing I've left them is debt upon debt upon debt. And I never had any emergency fund and One last thing, Daddy, I don't want you to see this, but I really never honored you with what you gave to me. Folks, let me tell you, don't let that be your story. Don't let that be your story. Instead, make your money behave God's way. And it may take some time and it may take some discipline, but as you do that and you go clockwise in the midst of that, God will bless you. And then the day when you stand before your heavenly father and he looks at you, you can say, daddy, look, I did money your way. And he will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us that you give us earnings, that you care for us in so many ways. Thank you for your good plans that you have for us. Today, Lord, some of us are in deserts when it comes to our finances. We feel all alone. We're out in the middle of the desert by ourselves. Others of us, God, we're drowning in debt. And we're wondering, will these ends ever meet? We're just overwhelmed so much, God, with the finances that we have. We don't even know the next move to make. But God, today you've helped us to say, I want your money to behave my way. And so help us to honor you first. Give us the discipline, God, to stick with the plan that we have and to believe in you that if we do this, you will give us good, good plans. I pray right now, God, that you would help us to listen to your whisper this morning and make the change in our financial world so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen.